Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Okay, so pray for me this morning because this was the message that I had prepared for you. And it was all done on Thursday. It was nice and pretty. It's right in line with everything we've been talking about. And I just kept feeling like something was missing a little bit. And so I was like, I kind of worked on a little bit on Friday. And then um, last night when we got home from the baptism, I took a couple hours and I, and I just kind of sat before the Lord. And I'm like, I'm missing something. What am I missing? And, um, and I actually created another two pages. Completely different. Kind of the same. Um, but really it's something that's, I'm, I'm going to do my best to articulate it and I don't really know if I'm going to get the right words for it. So you can give me a little bit of, of grace here as I try to take what's burning inside of me and to make it coherent. Okay. So we were talking, Sean and I were, we had some friends, um, they drove from the middle of Canada down to see us um, on their way to Jesus Image to spend a week and just to refresh and um, and all that stuff. And so these guys are pastors um, up in Canada, and they're absolutely incredible. I think the the husband carries the most joy of the Lord I've ever seen from anybody in my entire life. Like he's one of those people. Like I actually, this was the first time we physically met them. We have been we've spent um, three years or more on Zooms with them every twice a month for, for probably three years. And we absolutely love this guy. Like anytime we would get in a Zoom room with him, like where it's just us and him, he would just start bursting out laughing. Like, but it was like so deep and so pure. Like it was one of those things where he could change the atmosphere of the Zoom call on the screen just by praying for us as he started off the service, like, or started off the, the time that we spent there together. Like it was, he's incredible. He's just one of these people who just he just carries and glows with the love of Jesus. Like, he's awesome. And so we're sitting at, um, at our couch having a conversation and um, just about the Lord and um, just about different, different things. And he started talking to us um, about some thoughts that he had had recently. And one of them literally just, like, dropped the fear of God in me in a way that I've never experienced. And what I mean by that, there's... there's yeah, we have the term fear of God that's actually different trends. Like there's different, I'm trying to remember in, um, how to word this, in Proverbs, I was reading through it and it actually says that it, we, it's articulated in different ways. Like the language that they had in Hebrew is so much more in depth than ours. And so we have one word for something that they have multiple words for, you know. And so the fear of God that I'm talking about is submission, awe worship and a deep reverence. It was this place of kind of just going, God, oh my gosh, I have so much more to grow. Like, and, and I had this phrase yesterday that kept coming into my head, um, and it was that God is calling us higher by, by calling us to go lower. Okay, he's calling us to live higher by calling us to go lower, right? There's this place where we are called to be, be above the world in the way that we act and live. We're not supposed to return evil for evil. We're not supposed to respond with 
harsh, critical accusations. We're not supposed to um, yeah, be arrogant in the way that we speak, in the way that we're, we address things. We're supposed to be higher, right? But it's through only the process of going lower, which is actually humility, that we're able to do those things. Because we can look like we're more righteous and that we've gone higher on the outside because we've learned how to manage the exterior really well. In our culture, we call them poker faces. We can put on a poker face, right? We can just not let the emotions, a lot of us, can make, not let the emotions cross. And we can just look like we're serene and we're doing okay and like we're actually higher. But inside, all of our pride is there, right? I'm talking about killing that pride section, the inside of us. And God's called us to not just look like we've gone higher, but to actually go lower, and allow our low status to actually elevate us into a place of higher status. Does that make sense? Is that, does that, like, give me some feedback? Am I making sense with this? Okay, because I feel like this is, this is what I'm, this is the basis of what I'm going to talk about. So, um, yeah, our, our friend, he had mentioned, he was, he, we were talking about um, just, grace, the ideas of grace and mercy, and, and he had just said, he was like, you know, um, he goes in the Beatitudes in Matthew, he goes, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy, and he was like, it's that picture of going out and sowing, like in the Bible, like the Old Testament, where they, or in the New Testament, even when Jesus talked about sowing the seed, right, he didn't, we plant our, our things, right? I have a little garden and I make little holes and I plant seeds. But when they're talking about sowing seeds, they actually had a bag that they would carry and they would scatter it. And it's this picture of like scattering mercy everywhere we go without concern about how it's going to affect us, right? So the mercy I'm talking about today is compassion. Like, that's, what, that's, that's another term. That's another way that, um, that that, like, blessed are the merciful or the compassionate. Scattering compassion. Scattering this, like, mercy is, is a, oh, what's the, I'm, I want to make sure I get, it's a not punishing as we, as it's deserved, right? So we don't, we choose to not punish as somebody deserves. Like the other day, I was, um, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, we were driving up to Overland Park, and um, I'm usually a pretty merciful person, like officially on the, the, the scale, like I've done some of the, the tests, and I'm 97% mercy, okay? So I understand mercy really, really well, but this day I was driving up to the city, and, um, and I was passing... There was, there was not a lot of people on the road. It's Highway 50, right, between Lee Summit and Warrensburg, right? There's just not that much traffic. And it's two lanes. Everything's open. I'm driving. I'm passing this guy, but I'm passing him probably a mile faster than what he's going an hour. So I'm just kind of creeping by him. Well, there was nobody else on the road, so I wasn't holding up traffic. I wasn't, you know, like I was driving nicely. I was being respectful of everybody around me. Well, all of a sudden, this huge, I don't know, it's a big truck. It's a you know, 18-wheeler, comes flying up behind me. He was probably driving 75 miles an hour at least. And he, he comes up behind me, and he doesn't just, like, push me a little bit. 
you know, by getting in my crowd of my space. He literally was so close that he had to have been about a foot from my bumper. And I look in my mirror, and all I see is this massive big truck. You know, and I was like three-fourths of the way around this guy already. Like, so I wasn't like I was going to take that much longer. You know? And I, I looked back in my mirror, and I'm like, if a deer jumps out at me, I am dead. Like, I am literally, like, he will, he will flatten my little Corolla, right, with me in it. There was no chance of him even being able to, like, hit his brakes, not even in the slightest. He was that close, just scary close to me. And I'm, like, talking to him like he can hear me. Dude, get off my butt. Like, what are you doing that's so not safe? And I, like, speed up, and I get over, and he, like, goes flying past, and I'm, like, we're coming up on Lone Jack, buddy. I hope you just keep going. You know, like, Lone Jack's not the place you want to be going 75 miles an hour when you're 10 miles over the speed limit of what your car can actually legally do. You know, and I'm like, in me, I'm not being merciful at all. And the Holy Spirit goes, Ahem. And I'm like, did you see the way he was? He literally could have killed me. And, and the Lord was like, he goes, do you remember, he said years ago, so Sean, I'm going to tell you, Sean has, in his younger years, not in a long time, in his younger years had several speeding tickets for various reasons of speeding, I, you know. <laughs> so he, he'd had several speeding tickets, and one of the things that he started doing was as he drove past people who were pulled over on the side of the road, he would pray that God would give them mercy. And yeah, he still does. Every time, like he just starts praying for them. He's like, Jesus, whatever's going on with them, would you have mercy on them? Would you give them mercy? Would you give them grace? Like, would you give the police officers mercy and grace? Would you give the person who he's pulled over mercy and grace? And the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. And he was like, you know, and he, he was like, we just had this conversation with my friend. He goes, don't you think that he deserves some of your scattering of mercy too? And I was like, oh, <laughs> Yes, Jesus, I don't pray that he gets pulled over in Lone Jack. I pray that he slows down and that he drives carefully and that, you know, like I just started to bless him. Because I screw up sometimes when I drive. Not just because I'm a female driver. Stop it. Stop it. You're in the back for a reason. <laughs> but I screw up when I drive. Do I want to ruin somebody's day when I'm doing that? No. Do I want mercy when I make a mistake? Yeah, I really do, right? I want people to understand that I might have just made a stupid decision or our car sometimes with the air conditioning on full blast just doesn't have the oomph that it needs to go fast from zero to five miles an hour. It just kind of dogs down and you have to turn off the air conditioner really fast and then it goes like, you know, and, and there have been times when I'm popping over my hill for over 50 to get to my, to my road to go home that it like just, go, and you're like, go, 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 please don't let us die, you know, and I'm like apologizing to the people as I can see their faces of horror as, you know, I'm like barely making it over, you know, only in the summer. And you know, it's like, I know that I make mistakes sometimes. I should have just waited for that car because sometimes my car dogs when it's 150 degrees outside and we have the air conditioning on full blast, right? Like, I know that I should have paid attention. It was my mistake, but I want mercy from people, right? Those who sow mercy reap mercy, right? 
Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive mercy. Right? There's something about me choosing to give it away liberally that causes it to come back to me liberally. And it's not all about me. And this is where the fear of God came in. As I began to kind of look at some of the, some of the different Beatitudes in Matthew 5, I was just like, wow, God, I have so much I need to grow in and, and I just need to give away a lot more. So I'm going to just read off. I don't, I don't have all of them, so I'm not trying to be like, I'm just, I was just kind of going through this going, um, wow, Lord, there's so much here. Blessed, hold on, I have the wrong page up, just a second. Yeah, blessed are the poor. That means those who are not spiritually arrogant in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, or exceedingly happy, are those who are not spiritually arrogant in, yeah, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I need to sow humility in my life. And I need to show that and display that to the people around me, right? Because I want to inherit the kingdom of heaven. I don't ever want to get to a place where I believe that I'm the only one with the answers to what the Lord says. Because I am learning so much. I've been walking with God since I was five but I'm learning so much and I will never get to a place where I will have known it all, right? Yeah, I'm going to learn for the rest of my life and it's when I think that I've arrived at a certain spot in any sort, in any part of my theology that I'm not poor in spirit. Maybe in that one spot, right? Maybe, maybe I have one spot in my theology where like, I have this buttoned up and pinned and it is perfect and this is like, I'm Jesus like this in this area. I walk it, I talk it, I believe it, everything. It is perfect. Man, I'm not perfect anymore because I just lost my poverty, right? I just became prideful. Man, I don't want to be like that. The next one is, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. We should have these slides, Grace Ann. They're halfway through. Do you see them? Okay, great. That helps people see them. So blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That means that God draws near to them. Okay, that one's not as much me sewing. <laughs> I'm not going to go make you all mourn, right? Like that's not my goal at all. But it is a place of promise that when I'm in a place of grief, that his promise is that he draws near to, to me. He comes near, all right? The next one is, blessed are the gentle, the humble, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Man, I want to be humble. I want to be gentle, I should say it like that. I want to sow gentleness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst or crave righteousness, for they will be satisfied. That's kind of that zealousness that Todd was talking about. Can you imagine just craving the righteousness of God? We're not just kind of going, "Mm, I'm kind of feeling a little bit snacky, right? (laughs) That's not what it's talking about. It's literally waking up in the morning going, God, I don't have enough of you. 
I crave your presence. I crave knowing you more, Jesus. I want to walk in your ways in such a way that everybody can see who you are. They can see my light shine before men, right? My light shines so before men that they can see my good works and they can glorify God. They're not glorifying me, they're glorifying God. And I want to crave the righteousness of God every single moment of the day. You know, I want it to be something that consumes my mind and my life. Blessed are the merciful, the compassionate, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure, the clean in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, those who make peace, for they shall be called the sons of God. That one actually doesn't mean that they are peacekeepers, right? There's a difference between someone who makes peace and someone who is a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper kind of looks like kind of a busybody who runs back and forth between two different parties trying to come up with a peace treaty. They're not creating peace. They're trying to fix the problem that because they, they don't like the tension of the room. But the peacemaker is the one who comes in and brings their presence of peace. Who is peace? The prince of peace is God. They bring God into the room with them, and they look for solutions, and they bring peace, and they carry it internally even when there's conflict in the room. It begins to be part of their atmosphere, so they leak peace, and it becomes something that shifts the atmosphere of the room. I'm not going to get into a lot of that. That's not my topic, but I think it's a really great perspective. They will be called the sons of God. Do you see these different words, though? Like, let's just, I'm going to pick on just a couple of them. Those who are not spiritually arrogant, those who are gentle, humble, meek, merciful, and peacemakers. Those are the words I kind of want to talk about for just a few minutes today. Do you hear the, the way that God is sharing his heart? Because he's not asking us to become something that he's not. He's not asking us to be more kind than he is. He's not asking us to be more gentle or more merciful than he is or more full of grace than he is, right? It's not possible, first of all, but he's not the angry tyrant in the sky who is then commanding us to be gentle, kind, and humble, right? Instead, he is these things fully, and he's inviting us into an opportunity to become, to go low enough to become these things at our own expense, at our own will, at our own place of, of kind of going, man, I really want to fight for this. And he says, no, go low today. Be quiet, be gentle, be humble. And I go, okay, it's not worth a fight. Instead, I'm going to scatter mercy on it, right? What I was, I was talking to Molly. She doesn't know I'm going to share this with her. It's not a big deal. It's nothing scary, I promise. We were having a conversation about her sister, Juliet, who's back here. Wave, Juliet. So one of the things we were talking about with, with her the other day was that um, Julia had shown me she had skinned her knee the other day, and so I was talking to Molly about how cute she was when she was talking to me about it. And, and Molly had said, she goes, you know, every time somebody gets hurt, Juliet has deep mercy or deep compassion for them. And she's like, oh, no, let me see. Tell me all about it. Tell me how you got hurt. And she's deeply concerned for people. She has that deep concern for people because mercy and compassion have been sown into her and now they get to reap, her family reaps the benefit of the compassion and the mercy that was sown in her life. 
right? Because people were compassionate and merciful to her when she got hurt. She learned how to reap or how to, uh, how to, her fruit is compassion and mercy. Let me say it like that. Her fruit has become compassion and mercy, right? That's beautiful. That's godly. That's what we're supposed to be like. When we see people hurting, we're supposed to be like, hey, talk to me about it. How did your wound happen? Tell me about it. How can I help you? What can I do to pray for you? How can I partner with you, right? That's Galatians 6.1. How do I partner with you and walk alongside of you to help you get better, right? That's what, that's what it looks like to walk in mercy and compassion. But what happens when we sow anger into our children? What happens to them? What do we reap? Anger. When we sow disconnection into our children, what do we reap when we're older? Disconnection, right? That's, that's what the law is in Galatians, right? I'm going to read Galatians for those of you who aren't as familiar with it. It says Galatians 6, 7 through 9. It says, do not be, de- be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap um, will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. It's not instantaneous, right? How many of us have ever planted a flower or a vegetable or anything at all, and we went back out the next day and there was nothing, and we went out a week or two later and we're like, maybe that tiny little piece of green that comes, is coming out, maybe that's, oh no, that was just a weed. How much longer do I have to wait to be able to reap from this? And then it's months later, depending on what it is that we're growing, right? We have to take time. It, it takes time for it to cultivate. It goes under the ground, and it has to cultivate, right? But in the process, the, this is the point I, I keep coming back to. I feel like we really need to sow. Well, maybe I'll say it like this. I want to reap from the Beatitudes, Does that make sense? I want to reap everything from the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I want to be the beneficial beneficiary of those things towards me, right? I want people to be kind to me when I make a mistake. I if I say something that might sound a little bit off or weird or silly or, or dumb. I, if somebody feels like they need to bring correction to me, I want it to be done in humility and kindness and gentleness, right? Like the Bible tells us to. But to do that, I also have to step into it myself because we have to become like Christ. So I step into that myself and I make sure that what I'm sowing is the most important. I'm focused on what I'm sowing. I'm not focused on what I'm going to reap, my reaping is really kind of almost like a metric. Ooh, I've got a lot of anger going on towards me lately. Am I sowing anger somewhere? Right? Does that make sense? Like, it's something I can look at and go, ooh, maybe I haven't been sowing or cultivating something, but my eyes need to be stayed focused on what it is that I'm sowing. It's, my fear of the Lord has been on this place of like, I need to scatter mercy everywhere because that's what Jesus did right? He scattered gentleness where he went. The only time, like Todd was talking about this, his zealous nature, he was zealous in everything he did. He had, he had this passion for the Lord that transcends anything we can ever imagine because he knew God in a way that we've never ever been able to quite get to yet, right? 
it's open for us, it's available for us, but we're still learning how to do this. He, he knew that the only place he targeted his anger was toward the enemies, toward the enemy, towards those who were blocking his people from getting into the presence of God. When you look back, most of the time, I think, I, I don't remember if it's all the time, so I won't say all the time, most of the time he targeted it at the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, those who were, who were requiring more from their people than they were willing to give themselves. He even said, he was like, you, you are putting such a weight on them that they can't even bear it, and you're not willing to carry that weight yourself. They were hypocrites. He would target his anger at them because they were hurting the people of God, right? His gentle nature was towards his people, even when they were broken. And, you know, in some of my messages, I was going to talk about, the, like, on the idea of punishment versus discipline. When you look at the different people who, who were in the Bible, the different representatives. You have the, the rich young ruler who came to God. It says, that he, it says that he ran to Jesus as Jesus was heading out on a journey. So they were busy. They were set. They were ready to go. They began to walk, right? They're on a mission. And if they're anything like my husband is, it's like, we will get there tomorrow and we will not stop for any bathroom breaks. You're all wearing diapers. Like, you know, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Like, that, that, I don't know how Jesus was when he was going, but he was definitely very people-focused as well. But here's the thing. They were setting off on the mission. They were just getting ready to go to the next city. And this man comes running to him, and he throws himself down at his feet. And he was like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, he was, there's, there's a dialogue there. There's a lot of really good say. I'm not going to talk about that message because I might get to another day. But Jesus' response to him was, keep the commandments. And he was like, I've done that since the time I was really little. This man was deeply religious, and he had a heart that was toward God his entire life. He was a good guy. He was probably somebody that we would want our, our daughters to marry. He, was, he had money, so they weren't going to be impoverished, you know, but he was a good man who kept all of the right religious things. And Jesus' response back to him was, you lack one thing, right? He lacked one thing. He lacked one thing, you know, and yeah, I just, like, it's that place of kind of going, he was, he was somebody who was pursuing the God, pursuing God with everything in him except control. He wouldn't give up his control, right? Because he owned a lot of stuff. He controlled a lot of money. And he wasn't willing to lay control at the feet of Jesus and to walk away into freedom where he could follow him. Jesus invited him to follow him like a disciple. Okay, but here's the thing. He walked away from God sad, deeply grieved, it says, because he was unwilling to drop the control of all of his assets and to release them into, into, into Jesus and walk with Jesus. Okay, so he walked away sad. Was he in sin? He was so righteous in all of his ways. He was in sin because he didn't love the Lord his God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength, or he would have done as Jesus said. He had sin even though he was a really good man. Did Jesus punish him? No, he wasn't punished. Jesus allowed him to walk away. Did the man get consequences for his sin? 
Yeah, probably. You know, if he didn't repent and join Jesus again, we don't see evidence that he did or didn't. There's a whole bunch of people who show up for two verses, and we never know what happened to the rest of the story, right? So there's a possibility, and in my mercy, I'm like, oh, please, I hope he came back to know Jesus and to follow him, you know? like, But, but in that moment, what we know is that he walked away, and he suffered consequences of it, right? He was going to reap what he had just sown, Right? You know, and then you look, at, you look at the woman caught in adultery. You look at the man who had a legion of demons. He got those demons somehow. Okay, he probably wasn't the best of man in his younger years to have gotten so possessed that he was completely insane, right? So you have the woman caught in adultery who was in sin. You have this man who had demons, in, a, a, an infestation of demons, right? And then you have somebody like Judas who betrayed Jesus, did Jesus punish any of those people? What did he do with Judas when Judas came in at the very last Passover? He sat down, looked him in the eye, and he washed his feet. He loved him. <laughs> Eden, you're killing me. <laughs> But he, he washed his feet. That was his enemy, right? But what was Jesus doing? Man, he was scattering mercy everywhere, right? He was scattering mercy on the woman caught in adultery, and he was scattering mercy on the guy who had a, an infestation of demons. He was scattering mercy on Judas, who literally in about 15 minutes was going to stand up or an hour. I think the satyrs take a long time. You know, like an hour or two, he was going to stand up and walk out. And in about a few hours from that, he was going to turn him over to be killed, right? He knew it, and Jesus knew it in that moment, and yet he scattered mercy. He's dying on the cross, and he's scattering forgiveness. He wasn't, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if any theologians have ever said this. This is maybe just me. But when Jesus said, God, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, I think he was talking about for all of, all of time. He was blanketing forgiveness over the entirety of time, not just over the physical people in that moment who were murdering him and cheering for his death. He was scattering forgiveness like seeds all over the place, Right? What are we called to do? We're called to be like him. What does the Bible say? That if we don't forgive, what do we reap? Unforgiveness, right? So if we, but if we forgive, then we're forgiven, right? We're sowing and we're reaping. We're planting in something that's important. And I just, I feel like there's this place where we really need to pay attention to how low are we going, are we willing to scatter mercy and forgiveness over people like Judas in our life? Over people like the woman caught in adultery? Over women, people like the person who is filled with demons? Are we willing to scatter mercy and forgiveness over them? Are we willing to help them and call them and scatter grace on them? Or are we kind of going, well, once you can be perfect then you can join my club. You can be around me. What does it look like if we withhold mercy 
from people? Are we walking in the ways of Christ? And if we withhold mercy, what are we going to reap? We're not going to reap mercy, are we? We're going to reap judgmentalism. We're going to, if whatever we're sowing is what we're going to reap, we really need to pay attention to what it is that we're planting into the soil of our lives and into the people, the soil of the people around us, right? Is this, is this making sense, guys? Okay, um, let me see if I've got something I'm missing. Yeah, so I'm going to move to James. Oh, actually, hold on. That's not, not James. Just a second. I have to find my, my scripture. Titus. I should have a scripture on Titus. Do we not? I don't know if I do. Okay, I'm going to just read Titus because I have it on my other notes. Titus says, hold on. <laughs> what I did was write Titus on there. All right, here we go. I told you this is not entirely together because it's kind of what the Lord was saying to me. Okay, this is Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Okay, the word instructing is the word disciplining. Let me reread it like that. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, disciplining us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Do you see how it's not punishing us when we don't do it? Instead, it's an instruction. He's coming alongside, and he's teaching us how to be merciful, how to be compassionate, right? He's instructing us. To deny, so the grace of God, grace has come in, and grace is disciplining us in the ways of God, empowering us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, how to live sensibly, that's an important thing, right? Righteously and godly in the present age. Okay, let me say that again. The grace of God his empowerment to come in and to do what's right. Ron, what's the phrase that you use for grace? It's the power to do, to be and to do. So it's grace is the power to be and to do. So grace is coming into our life, and it's in, through Jesus. Everything is through Jesus, right? And it's instructing us or it's disciplining us in the ways of God, right? The ways of God show up in the Beatitudes like so mercy. Forgive so you can be forgiven. Walk humbly before the Lord. Walk humbly for the, before people. Don't have to argue about everything. I love this scripture in James. It talks about wisdom. It's been something I've been praying about for years, probably for 20 years. I have prayed over and over and over again that the Lord would give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I wanted to understand wisdom and understanding. And I love this scripture because it says in James 3.17, it says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
Wisdom produces righteousness. Godly wisdom, I shouldn't say earthly wisdom, does not produce righteousness. Godly wisdom produces righteousness and the person who is sowing in peace. Right? What does it say? And whose fruit is sown in peace by those who make peace. God is about us being peacemakers on the earth. He's put the Prince of Peace in us to sow peace everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. What is What is peace? Peace has a lot of different definitions. Some of it, the, the idea of, be, of wisdom being peaceable is it's not quarrelsome or warlike. It's actually favorable to your health and wholesome. Okay, so it's not quarrelsome, but it's favorable to your health. It's wholesome. That's what peaceable is, right? So we are supposed to be peace sowers. We are supposed to not be quarrelsome, but we're supposed to sow peace everywhere we go. What happens if we begin to sow the fruit of the Spirit so intentionally that everything we do in our life is walking in the ways of God and going, God, I'm just going to go lower here. I'm just going to go lower. I'm just going to walk in humility. I'm just going to sow mercy to the people who don't deserve it. I'm going to sow mercy everywhere, God, because you weren't, he wasn't picky about who he gave mercy to. He gave mercy to everybody. The woman who literally pushed past, she had an issue of blood, which meant she was not allowed to be in the community at all. She was supposed to be outside of the community completely, not touching people. She had to walk around yelling unclean everywhere she went. How horribly embarrassing and demeaning and demoralizing. She didn't feel like a human. She was an outcast. She comes into the community and shoves past. She touches men, okay? In that culture, you don't touch men, all right? Only prostitutes touched men, right? She shoves past people, and she gets to Jesus, and she can't actually get to him, so she just grabs him. She touched Jesus with her unclean hand. What was Jesus' response? Did he punish her? No, he didn't punish her. He sowed mercy on her, right? And then grace, and then healing, and then salvation. It actually says you've been sozoed, you've been set free, right? So he actually did all the opposite of punishment. He sowed on her with, with just compassion, just mercy, and, you know, and grace, and healing, and restoration. And he actually, that one act of healing brought her back in to a place where she could be around people again. She could now, she was no longer somebody who was an outcast, but she was able to be included in the family of God, right? We're called to walk like Jesus did. And I know that we're on this this topic of the difference between discipline and punishment, but I think that this is that, right? What we don't see is Jesus going around punishing the sinners, that he was around. He, we were talking with my mom the other day, laughing about the different, some of the different Bible translations, like not translations, but the Bible will translate, and then the commenters will comment, and they were talking about like Jesus, Jesus didn't turn water into wine. He turned it into grape juice because he would have never, ever fed wine to a bunch of drunk people. So you're saying the people in the New Testament were dumb because they didn't know the difference between wine and grape juice? Right? 
The first time I ever tasted anything with alcohol, I was like, there's something weird about that. What is that? Aftertaste is nasty, right? You can taste it. You know, like, you can tell. I still think it's nasty. It's disgusting. (laughs) But he turned water into wine for people who had been drinking for hours. But does he promote sin? Never. But what he does promote is freedom. He promotes choice. He allows us. It's for freedom that we've been set free. He allows our life to have all of these options. And he has the way that's right. But he gives us the freedom to choose. And when we deviate, he calls us back. And he calls us back. And if we choose to not come back, we have consequences for our sin. Right? Because we've deviated off the path of righteousness. But my job isn't to, my job is to encourage, as a believer, my job is to encourage people to stand up and know, hey, you're getting off a little bit. This is, this is the path. Like, God's calling us. How can I walk with you? Do you want to come back? Right? But my job, mostly, as a child of God, is to sow mercy and grace. Grace is the enabling of doing the ways of God. It's the power to walk in the right ways of God. Grace is not, like Marinell always has the great term for it. She's like a sloppy, wet blanket that feels gross and icky. You know, it doesn't enable sin. It's not a gross, wet blanket that you put on somebody. It's, it's something that's warm and comfortable, and it goes, hey, come back onto the path. It's the enablement to walk in the righteousness of God. That's what it says in Titus. Grace teaches us. It disciplines us. It instructs us on how to walk in the ways of God, right? So my job is to sow grace. It's to sow mercy. It's to sow kindness. It's to sow forgiveness everywhere without any concern of do they deserve it? Because Jesus died for a whole bunch of people who didn't deserve it. And he forgave them at the moment of his death. And he gave mercy to everyone he saw, right? And so we don't get the chance to go, you're not worthy of my mercy today. When I'm driving down the road, back to my first story, I'm driving down the road and this big truck tries to kill me, right? I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it felt like that in the moment, you know? And I don't have the right as a child of God to withhold mercy on him, from him, right? Out of everybody in the world, at that moment, he needed the mercy of God because he wasn't behaving like he should have been. And that's scary for him. He could have caused an accident. He could have killed somebody. And if he did kill somebody, he's going to have to live with that consequence for the rest of his life. He needed mercy in that moment, right? Who am I to withhold that from him? Does that make sense? I'm going to read this part and as I close up. I found myself just wanting to go lower, more humble, more kind, more gentle, to model his ways and his heart and distort for myself what I want to personally reap. I want people to be kind to me when they disagree with me. I want people to be gentle when they're correcting me. I want people to be compassionate and grace-filled when they're encountering me. And to do that, I have to sow it. Right? But beyond 
wanting to just reap it. I want to sow it because it's the ways of God. And this fear of the Lord that has come over me on this is just this place of me going, who, like how dare I ever withhold grace or mercy or forgiveness from somebody? I don't have the right. I don't have the right. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter who they are because Jesus forgave Judas. And if he forgave Judas, we can forgive anybody. Right? If Jesus forgave Judas, we can forgive anybody. And I have a responsibility, and it's not just because God told us, if you don't forgive, then I'm not going to forgive. It's this place of holy holiness that God's called us to walk in. He's called us to walk like he walks. And he walks in mercy and compassion and grace and kindness and gentleness. He walks in self-control, right? And I want to sow those things into my life in a way that's more. Okay? Yeah, let's just pray. Jesus, would you forgive us for being prideful, for being arrogant, for thinking that we have things that we get to withhold from people because we just don't feel like they're worth it. Those people are not worthy of my forgiveness. Those people aren't worthy of my mercy. Those people aren't worthy of my grace or my kindness or my gentleness. Jesus, would you forgive us? That's not your way. We want to be disciplined by you, God. We want to be instructed by your grace to walk in your kingdom ways, God, and to sow liberally without worrying about if people deserve it, God, because they don't. I don't. I don't deserve to receive any grace or mercy. But Jesus, I want to give it liberally like you did. And would you forgive me for all the times that I have withheld your kingdom from people because of my own bitterness, because of my own problems, because of my own wounds, because of my own judgments and failures. God, I don't want to be judgmental. I want to be kind and tender-hearted and willing to be compassionate with every single person no matter their circumstances or the way that they're showing up and presenting in front of me, Jesus. I want my kids to reap the benefits of a, of a parent who sows kindness and mercy and gentleness into their lives. So Jesus, forgive us. Would you renew our minds, God? and strip us of all those places where we think that we have the right to withhold something because we think that we're better than them or because we think that they're not as good as they should be. Jesus, forgive us. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarnsburg.com. We hope to see you soon.